What's up meeples, on today's show we raise our wands and board a train from platform 9 and 3 quarters as we dive in and play Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. We do a lighthearted review of the game components, share our thoughts on how it plays and discuss if it is just a reskin or a whole new game. Along with all your usual weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason and I'm Ian and we are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew and let's dive into this week's topic. And this week's topic ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about one of our favourite games and a reskin of it. We are talking about the differences between Thanos Rising and the newer version of Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. We've played a couple of games of it today, Ian how did you feel about it? I found it surprisingly good. Considering it's a reskin, you know, and very similar to one of our favourite games, I was a bit worried on several things that would come to, you know, whether it was just going to be exactly the same game or not, yeah. how it plays, whether we'd still enjoy it as much. I'm more attached to, as much as I love Harry Potter, I'm more attached to the Marvel theme than I am this. So I think I think both of us are definitely a bit more attached to the Marvel theming of the game, but I will say, having played this... that. There were certain things about this that I think I actually preferred. They've definitely ironed out a few of the creases um, from the original Thanos Rising game. Yeah, considering though, we have to bear in mind this is their third attempt at this game, effectively. Yes. Um, Obviously with different ways of looking at it and different ways of approaching it. But this is the third game in the Rising series. It started with Thanos Rising. There is um, Dark Side Rising for the Star Wars theme which one of us will have shortly. I think I'm going to have a look down that road. but yeah. And we will, again, we'll touch base on it. We won't do a full-blown review. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays. That was their second one. And this is their third, um, the Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. We have been informed already recently there are two more versions of this game coming out. There's SpongeBob Rising. I'm not quite sure if that's the exact title. but uh, Plankton. Plankton Rising. Yeah, Plankton yeah. Rising. So we've got a SpongeBob-themed version coming, which intrigues me i think is the word yeah i'm definitely looking forward to playing that i think we we agreed earlier that we we're gonna have between us we're definitely gonna have to own every single version of this game and playing this game today has has definitely made that clearer to us clearer to us that was one of our big questions coming into today how many times do we want to buy the same game yeah uh, but we will get on to that in a bit and obviously the very last uh, version that was announced a couple of weeks ago and i believe paul covered on the news last week was the Batman version of the game. Now, I know Ian won't be too bothered about that. However... See, this is where, I, this is where I'll probably shock you. I'm really interested. Um, Jason's already told me today it's got a nice darker theme to it this time around. Um, and Batman is sort of like my exception to the rule when it comes to DC for my personal taste. I'm not a huge DC fan, as we've touched base before, just because I find personally, and again, it's all my own opinion that um, some of the superheroes in that universe are just overpowered. But Batman's the one that usually 
well, at least with the movies and things for me recently, has been the exception to that rule. You know, they tend to balance him quite well. Yes, definitely. So, although we all know Iron Man's better. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. So um, let's go into a bit of detail with regards to uh, Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. You know, everyone knows that we love the Marvel game. So we're going to we're going to talk about this one a bit more today because that's the game that we have played today. Yep, we're going to go into a full-blown review. Um, first time we've done this on this channel, so... If you like it, let us know. If if you don't and you don't like, want to hear it anymore, again, please let us know because we don't want to do content that you don't want to listen to, so... Yep. Okay, so Harry Potter Death is Rising. This is uh, one of my games. I purchased it uh, a few weeks ago. Now, we, we actually got this game uh, for the sole purpose, actually, of comparing it with one of our favourite games which of course was Thanos Rising. Now, the first thing we did when we unboxed this earlier today, which was look at the quality. Has the quality changed at all? Is there anything extra? Is there anything missing? Lots of, you know, lots of different questions that we were asking. So, going on to the review front, we've decided, you know, this this seemed a good place to start. It's a spin-off effectively of one of our favorite games. We had the luxury of getting into Thanos Rising. It's actually the game that I got to know Jason over. Yeah. You know, so there's that extra link for us with that. It's one of the ways I um dangled that carrot in front of Jason to get him to actually play board games and not tabletop games, which is what his sole gaming was before that point. So it, it it's it's got a lot going personally for both of us. You know, it's like a turning point. It's how we got to know each other well. And it's just genuinely a good game. So trying the Harry Potter version just seemed a good place to start for our reviews as well. So the basic pretense of the Rising games in general, because I'm going to put them all under one banner, is you have a main villain in the centre of the board that spins between three different locations as the game goes on. There will be a villain objective for Thanos Rising. Thanos has to either kill a certain amount of heroes or complete the Infinity Stones on his Infinity Gauntlet. The new Harry Potter one, you have Voldemort in the middle, and he has to either kill a certain amount of the um, wizards and witches around the board, or he has um, his three sections have location cards in them. Each, lo- each location has two cards on a stack and then the base on the board. If either one location gets completely corrupted, or four locations in total get corrupted, Voldemort wins that game as well. The way you beat the game, Thanos, is you have to kill a certain amount of the villains out of the villain deck. Or with this um, Harry Potter version, you have to um, defeat five of the villains, find Voldemort, who will be um, in the middle of your um, deck of cards that you're drawing from for your heroes and villains coming out, and um, you have to defeat five damage onto Voldemort. The key about this game is you can only damage Voldemort for the amount of the villains you've currently killed at that point. So if you've only killed two, you can only put a maximum of two damage on Voldemort until you start killing the things off the board. That was definitely one of the things I liked, to be honest, about this game was actually having to hit the main villain himself you know with Thanos rising it kind of felt like a bit of a cop out by killing his minions and then as soon as you'd killed 10 of his minions suddenly Thanos just died but then you that's know. keeping in theme with the films it, the, the, the Thanos rising is based off Infinity War where obviously spoiler alert but the heroes don't win in yeah. the first half of that film and you are trying to stop Thanos from completing his goal of just getting the Infinity Gauntlet to snap yeah. out half the universe Whereas this one, you are trying to defeat the villain. Yeah. So that is a uh, a brief description of what the game is, or what both games are, in fact. So now we're we're going to talk about the game mechanics. Uh, sorry, the game components themselves. So now owning both, and with Ian seeing this copy as well, we're going to look at how good a quality 
the components are. How, has there been a lack of quality in the later versions of this game? So uh, we'll kick things off with the cardstock. I feel is probably the best thing. Seeing as though Ian is actually holding them in his hand right now, he can probably give you a rough idea of of what they actually feel like. Um, do you find they feel the same, similar? Um, they're pretty similar to the ones in Thanos Rising. They are good quality cardstock, both games. But again, we'll focus on the Harry Potter one. I find them a little bit on the glossy side of things, but that's usually a good thing. It helps protect them for longer. I do feel, yet again, though, it's another game that benefits from sleeves, but then what doesn't? Yeah. I will say, I think with um, completely agreed with yourself, uh, being glossy is going to protect those cards really well. The downside I always find to these ultra-glossy cards tends to be that they will stick together shuffling quite bad, you know, quite badly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you said, a couple of sleeves will deal with that issue. Um, one thing I will say about the cards, I'm not a massive fan on the artwork on the back. Um, I find it quite dull. Uh, it is literally the words, it's the words Harry Potter, two wands crossing, and then Death East is rising, all on a black back. It's just a bit dull. It is a bit dull, um, to be honest. I mean, the text itself it looks pretty cool, but other than that, the card is just very basic. It would have been nice with like a sort of almost like explosion or having like Hogwarts behind it or something just yeah, to brighten, I, I mean, brighten up what the, you're looking at. The location at. cards um, actually have a better back on them because they've got sort of a green or bluey, smoky... Yeah, it's like a bluey wisp with yeah. the um, Voldemort symbol on. Yeah, and it's very it's very in keeping with the movies. Um, you know, when, when they... You know, they um, when the Death Eaters actually arrive, they they obviously arrive in... Or even with the, lo- the opening sequences, the title sequences normally come in with the yeah. same sort of wispy sort of feel. So yeah, that, that's one thing. Um, I will say artwork on the front you know, of each card is bog standard stock artwork of each character, but that's standard for these sort of games. Yep. But the colouring's quite nice, the backgrounds are quite nice. So they're split into four types of cards. You have Hogwarts cards, which are blue. They have the uh, starting location of Dumbledore's office and focus around a lot of the staff around the um, and the teachers and things. You have Dumbledore's army, which is starting with Harry Potter or Hermione um, at the location. Room of requirement. And again, focuses around on all of the um, witches and wizards, you know, the basic ones that are at the school. And then you have Order of the Phoenix, which are all the other sort of characters involved, and that is at 12 Grimald Place. And again, is um, is represented by the, a picture of the phoenix and um, focused on like all the characters outside of Hogwarts. And then the last ones you have, you have Voldemort's Death Eaters as the fourth fourth type, which are the green cards, and they're all the villains that you have to beat. So you touched on um, you touched on something there, which was actually the uh, hero location uh, cards, which I, I am actually going to bring up. Because um, obviously these were things that we did have in Thanos Rising. However, this sort of ties into the starting start of the game. Now, one thing that I think is a massive positive for this game is this starting character selection. The starting character selection is far superior to Thanos Rising because you actually have six characters in which you can choose from. Three different factions, six characters. With these characters, um, you'll have one that sits with the, the type that they're with. So, for example, with um, Dumbledore's army, you have a choice between Harry Potter or Hermione Granger as your starting characters. Harry Potter wants more of um, Dumbledore's army with him to get bonuses, whereas Hermione, her bonuses just come from blue, other blue wizards from, from Hogwarts. 
each of the pairs has one that suits their own color and one that suits another and they are balanced so that between the three sets the other colors sort of like don't match so for example um, harry potter and sirius black both require purple potter's obviously from the purple and um, sirius is from the red section you know so the blue ones don't have one that needs purple but they cover blue and red between them yeah you know so each pair covers each, you know the trio yeah. so i mean that that side of it is is really good the starting characters are different enough yeah the issue i take with it is actually with their locations now the two starting characters for example we'll take the two blue characters which are the hogwarts characters the characters themselves are different enough with what they get benefits from however they both get the hogwarts uh, location which comes with them and I feel that um, the OP actually missed a trick here because they're both the same. Yeah, there's, no, there's not really any uniqueness to them. So one thing to point out, we should have mentioned earlier, it's a one to four player game. If you have four players, two people will have to play from the same suit. Yeah. Obviously, more than two. You can have two, lots of two if you wanted to, but at least two players will have the same color starter. So two, one of those locations will then be replicated, which... Seems a missed trick considering Thanos Rising had four locations to pick from at the start. Yeah. Each did a different bonus. And even with you got the promo cards that you can get hold of, it gave you a second green colour from that game. Yeah. But the location was completely different. Yeah. Whereas these have the same starting dice and the same abilities. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like there isn't enough locations in the actual Hogwarts universe to, to be able to do this. I mean, again, sticking with the blue team of Hogwarts... Um, their base office, you know, their base location is Dumbledore's office. You know, it's based at Hogwarts. There's enough rooms at Hogwarts. You could have had Dumbledore's office and the Quidditch pitch, for example. Yeah, or the Great Hall. You know, or the Great Hall. There's plenty of locations they could have done that just to add a bit of, just something different. I think. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't hinder the game, all but it, all it adds is more variation for replayability. Yeah. Again, another missed trick similar sort of thing so each of the locations that are on the board you have ministry of magic diagon alley and hogsmeade you get two cards for each location you know for voldemort to try and corrupt what would have been nice if they supplied three or four of each of those locations so as you replay the game you have different bad abilities that go off as they get corrupted yes so the basic pretense you have five spaces on each location every time voldemort enters an area he adds a corruption counter. There are, his minions may add more with the Death Eaters. If it gets fully corrupted, you take that top card off, pop it out, and then there's a negative effect every time Voldemort rolls his symbol on his dice. Yes. Um, again, it's just a few extra cards that would give extra replayability. I know it makes the rulebook slightly more confusing on telling you pick two out of three, you know. Yeah. But it just makes more options. We've seen people with Thanos Rising make their own promos for things like tabletop simulator and as cool as they are because they're not well balanced we've actually seen people completely throw games because of it we were only talking to our friends the other day they had a three-hour game of thanos rising that they lost but then i found out afterwards they were using the promos that were available on tabletop simulator which i straight away knew that's why they lost before they'd even started because they're horrendously unbalanced (laughs) yeah we've personally only ever played with the official uh promos which Seem to be fairly well balanced, but yeah, yeah. The, the unofficial stuff just we had a look at the unofficial stuff right at the start of lockdown when we started moving on to tabletop simulator, and I straight away picked that 
there's like Jason yeah. loves Deadpool and there is a Deadpool promo on there but it was it was bad it wasn't yeah. it, I actually thought it was too good I it, was it was kind of it was kind of one of those things like you put Deadpool on the table you win yeah or you lose know. and, and <laughs> you know the Stan Lee card for example it's, it's just far too overpowered but getting back to the to the subject at hand that's that's obviously the card stock um obviously another thing that's made of card is the board itself it's a really nice thickness um it comes in three parts sort of slots together as like a little jigsaw puzzle um it's nice and thick i'm guessing i'm somewhere between three and five millimeters thick it's pretty rigid it doesn't look like it's going to warp anytime soon but yeah it's good quality again it's very simple yep i only have one negative so thanos rising had a nonagon shaped board that's a nine-sided shape so each sector had three sort of flat edges that you could butt the cards up to. Yeah. This is as a circle. Looks a lot nicer. You know, visually looks a lot nicer. But for quality of life purposes, it's easier to butt cards up like you have to. Yeah. I mean, just to cover that um, with an example, and it's something that we actually completely overlooked while we were in our second game of playing this, was some of the cards that were around the edges actually slid round a little bit one of the cards that was was in one section sort of ended up halfway into another section we didn't notice and we were actually ended up with 10 cards around around the playing board and it took us a good couple of turns to actually notice yeah so bad on us for not being so vigilant on it but it also shows that it's easily done yeah we were trying to squeeze in an extra game so um trying to rush and speed up the game because these games can be quick but they can also take quite a while depending on how lucky you are (laughs) so yeah quality of the game uh game board pretty good yeah colors are nice Uh, it's quite a vibrant color the blue that's on the board there are quite a bit of dark areas on it but again it's quite a dark game so it's totally understandable that it's there however it does move us on to the the other components that come in the game so you get dice you get some tokens and you get some little coloured cubes. We're going to segue on from the dark game board onto the cubes themselves because there is actually a slight issue with that. So you get a bag of cubes to represent damage counters. These are nice, vibrant red, clear, same as what was in Thanos Rising. Only problem with these was the same problem as Thanos Rising is they don't give you enough. If you, We were playing a two-player game. We did very well with recruiting characters at the start. If you recruit too many characters and then get hit hard like we did you can easily run out of damage counters in this game which yeah, is bad which we did on uh, quite a few occasions the other counters they provide are little gems similar to the infinity stones from thanos rising but a lot smaller they're clear black ones and they're, they're designed to be the corruption tokens that you have on the board there's more than enough of them you can only have 15 well uh, 12 on the board at any one point every time you hit the 15th technically worst you could do is 15 if you're having a really bad turn but probably yeah. going to lose the game that turn yeah and they actually give you the 15 counters my only issue the location cards are very dark they're mostly black the spaces for these tokens are black the edges of the cards they're on are black and these are clear black tokens so it's actually quite difficult to see at a glance what's on the board in front of you unless you're in a, a particularly well lit room which to be fair i mean the room we're in is not exactly dark dark it, it's pretty well lit we are actually sat right underneath a light the easiest way around this would have been just to have a light slightly lighter colors on that section of the location cards yeah you know one of the locations i'm looking at now is gringotts bank 
which actually has a nice white and blue floor, but then where the sto- the pit spaces for the stones are, they go black again. It's like, why? You've got, you know, the room, if you put like a white silhouette around all of these, yeah. problem solved. So again, it's 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 very picky for us to, to pick up on something like that. However, it, it's just a few quality of life things that we feel they could have they could have done better. Yeah. But it's it's not a game changer. It's it's not a, it's not a deal breaker. Again, we're being quite critical as well because this is we know this is their third attempt at this game. This is the second one we've played, and we really enjoy this game. So it's seeing what quality of life issues have been fixed and which ones haven't. So moving on, uh, we'll move on to the dice of the game now. The dice in this game are nice and bright. They're very easy to read. They are a sort of a creamy off-white base color with the respective logos and colors uh, to show what you have rolled. This one also comes with a very unique die compared to the Thanos Rising, which is actually a green D8 die. However, we do we do take a very very small issue with the green uh, die as well, and it is just purely and simply because that is uh, Voldemort's movement die. The logo on there for him turning right is actually very very difficult to see at a at, a, at an arm's length. So what they've done, it's a dark green dice with black writing on it. And they've put arrows and letter in the middle of what they are. But because the R sort of almost blurs into the arrows, it's, it can actually even look like the L if you're doing it at yeah, a glance. We, we so. were finding ourselves double-checking every single every single turn that we ended up rolling that right turn. Yeah. But uh, again, other than that, the, the dice quality feel pretty good. If we were to be nitpicky on it, the sharp edges on, on the dice makes it very difficult for them to roll properly. So... This is a funny thing. I know a lot of my friends like are winding me up for this. I personally like, with D6s, I like the nice rounded edges. You know, so as you drop them and roll them on the table, they'll roll quite a bit. Yeah. It's not a standard thing because I know, for example, Dungeons & Dragons, they give you a square D6. It's perfectly square, almost pointy on the corners. I don't like those because if you don't roll them well out of your hand, they hit the table and slide. So, you know, you can easily manipulate dice like that and you know what the roll is going to be. You know, as weird as it sounds for those few half seconds, it takes the fun out of, you know, have I got the right thing? You know, yeah. Um, Again, these have gone more down the, the solid squares rather than like the rounded edges so that they roll better. It's just, again, these are real. That's just one of my personal pet hates and. This isn't a new problem with this game. Thanos Rising did it as well. And I have had to replace many dice out of many games where I can for that reason. But that's personal preference. You know, as I said, official Dungeons & Dragons D6s are the full-blown square ones. So some people prefer those. Yeah. So I wouldn't class that as a complete negative against this game. That's just my personal preference. And I think you have a similar... Yeah, it's it's definitely a personal preference for me as well. Um, I just just like having dice that roll better and having the sharper edges, the more square edges, they tend not to roll as well, especially if you're trying... To be quick. To be quick. So, yeah, again, personal little preference, but again, doesn't affect the gameplay. They're very good quality dice. Uh, Final component I think we can really talk about in the game is the big Voldemort miniature that stands in the centre of the board. It's not bad um it is obviously not meant to be a war games miniature it is not going to be a super detailed miniature it's very basic but it does the job for what is quite an undetailed character at the end of the day you know it's not bad it's quite a good miniature the only thing i'd say that 
was a bit pants is the um, rule book shows you him with lovely bright blue eyes. Jason had to point out to me that the eyes are actually painted on here because the paint's that bad. Um, yeah. It is, however, a country mile above the Thanos rising Thanos figure they give you. Yeah, at least this one's the right colour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I definitely say they've they've upped their game a little bit with this one. Granted, the colours are a bit easier to achieve with this particular miniature, but <laughs> yeah, I, I've got no complaints with that. It does what it needs to do. Um, I personally will end up painting this one anyway, as I did with my Thanos miniature. So yeah, that is all of the game components. Um, we don't want to go. We don't. Yeah, you know, we we try to keep things nice and and simple and light hearted, really, when we're talking about these things. So we're not going to go into super detail uh, about this kind of stuff. Just enough so that you know exactly what we're talking about. So before this review started. We gave this game two quick two-player playthroughs just so we could get a rough idea of how it played and if there was any differences. As I said, the game the gameplay felt really smooth again. It's what we expected from a rising game. Thoroughly enjoyed um, the style. You know, the dice mechanics are the same of picking you know picking what you want to either try and recruit or kill and taking you know try and get the dice accrued to get the symbols you need to do it that played the same but it played different enough that it did feel like a completely different game when trying to actually fight Voldemort versus the Infinity Stone saga that we'd done before um I was thoroughly impressed we did the second playthrough because we won the first game and we did wonder whether it was easier the game then proved to us it's just as hard as the original (laughs) by absolutely handing our our butts to us (laughs) yes without a doubt uh (laughs) Yeah, we, that very first game we had, it, it went very smoothly. Um, it took a little while, but which was uh, which was very strange. But I think that's because we were essentially taking our time and we were, we were writing notes well. and stuff in that as well. We were very lucky as well. Um, one mechanic with this game is if you pick a location and then Voldemort moves into it, all of your heroes get hit. We dodged that for a good portion of the first game we played. We did not do that on the second game. <laughs> no, pretty much every single turn we were uh, unlucky enough to have Voldemort hitting us upside the head. Uh, <laughs> and scraping for every healing character we could possibly muster. Yeah. Game mechanic-wise, it's a really good game. It's it's very much like... Uh, again to compare it to Thanos Rising is what we wanted to do today there is a bit of management on this game um, resource management so you, in, in the Death Eaters Rising you are managing the corruption um, gems which in the uh, in the first game we didn't do so well um, for the first couple we, we got a couple of locations corrupted pretty quickly and sort of panic managed afterwards because if you lose four locations regardless which area they've come from you lose we lost two really quite quickly and let two more get up to four out of the five corruption then twig and yeah. like oh <laughs> yeah exactly whereas the second game we were far far better at managing the uh, the corruption tokens however as we said just now we did did so at the expense of people people um which meant we came incredibly close very quickly to losing just on the amount of wizards that we'd lost unfortunately harry potter wasn't one of those um the whole game would have just been easier because you know as ian very rightly pointed out if we play this by canon if harry potter dies so does voldemort <laughs> so uh... <laughs> One thing I really did like in, from this playthrough that I hadn't seen before is with the bonus tokens in this game, 
there was a new mechanic to swap your heroes around. Yes. So there was a trade one wizard for another. So we managed to survive a turn by trading. I had two of these. They're both the, the, the ones available of these trade wizard tokens. So I traded my healer over to Jason. He used the healing abilities. I gained the extra dice from having his character at the start of my turn and then traded them back again to keep my <laughs> stuff alive. So yeah, for a couple of turns, we managed to... Worm our way out of dying just uh, with yeah. those tokens. There's a few nice little new fresh mechanics. A couple of the characters in the game have some new bits that we haven't seen in previous, you know, in our previous incarnation of this game. Um, like being able to get bonus token, you know, extra bonus tokens for like just recruiting people and stuff like that, um, or damaging your own stuff to micromanage the locations in the middle. We haven't had that before, or if we have, we've not really used it before. No. Um, there was another game mechanic that's actually been uh, introduced into in this game, which definitely was not part of the Thanos Rising game. However, upon discussions after playing, we re- we realised that it probably was meant to be there, but it wasn't explicitly said, which is why I feel that this rulebook is definitely better written, because they do specify things far more... With diagrams. With diagrams and far more in-depth. And the mechanic I'm talking about is when you roll your your dice to, to figure out what you're going to be able to do that turn. In Thanos Rising, you can assign one or more dice per roll. However, it can only be done to one particular card. Once you have placed dice onto that card, you then have to re-roll and place dice on either the same card or a different card, but still only one card that role what they have done with death eaters rising and it is clearly explained in the rule book that this is definitely what you can do is for every role that you do you can assign as many of those dice as you wish to as many cards or abilities as you so wish now this is actually the reason we played a second game because we found that because of that we were finding it very easy to recruit heroes during our first playthrough it takes the luck out of the game so the dice are um a good thing with the rule book is it shows you this on the back same as thanos the dice are split into four colors and each dice has three sides that will resemble one particular symbol i'm going to take the um the purple dice for example they have the um dumbledore army symbol of three um wands so that dice will have one of each of the other symbols of the um, hat, the phoenix, and a sword. And it also has two sides with just one of the, the Dumbledore army symbol and a double, so with a times two symbol on it. So every dice has something, you know, for each symbol. Yeah. So if you use with more purple dice, you have better odds of getting the times two um, ones or just getting the ones in general. It's a 50% chance of getting the you know that symbol. So manipulating your game is done by picking which dice you have to you know to help you do that but in thanos rising there are so many wasted dice by rolling the wrong symbols on the wrong dice or rolling multiple doubles needed for separate cards where we found we could only assign one or the other and you've only got one in six odds like you know for the doubles that you like you have for any of the other symbols on that don't correspond with that color so the amount of times we found where we rolled two different doubles on say red and purple one each but we needed those on two different cards and we never rolled the double again on the dice that we didn't yeah. spend it, it reduced the luck element out of this game which i enjoyed it definitely and i think you chose your wording very carefully there which very well it definitely reduces the luck element it doesn't completely eliminate it because there is still the luck of the dice but 
there is far, far more options. It brings skill back into the game because you can plan more. Like, there are several times when we might have had the dice to recruit a character. So, for example, if I take Ginny Weasley out, she needs one Phoenix, two Wands, and one Sword to complete. We might have had the two Wands on the table, but un- uh, but still have purple dice available. If we just spent one dice, we can reroll everything and get more chances of getting the um, the doubles out meaning we can spend the other dice elsewhere, but you also take the risk that you might not roll what you need again, even with the good odds. So it was trying to work out when do you, you know, do you spend all your dice and just recruit one character, or do you push your luck that little bit more, you know, and go with what the odds could be, but still get screwed over, you know, which we have been, we we did several times, having three dice, two of the correct colour, needing one symbol and not pulling it, or rolling two dice thinking we've got no chance to need two doubles and pull it off you know there were many a times that we uh, risked it for a chocolate biscuit but unfortunately the shops were all out (laughs) but yeah reducing the luck out of these games makes them far more fun obviously it's a dice rolling game you need it's going to be luck based at, at the end of the day but it brings more conversation to the table about what are the better odds of when to spend and when not to spend your dice and that's as a co-op game you want to be communicating with each other you know there's no point when we took over from anyone which is good you know you have to be very wary of that in these games that's also easily done and we've seen many a time yeah but bringing the discussion to the table of what do i do you know i've got these odds to get to you know i've got the odds of what we could get and we could get an amazing turn if i push my luck or i can just be conservative get this one card now but i ignore the others around this section of the board yeah. okay so There's a few more questions I think we can ask ourselves just to sum up uh, how we feel about this game. First and foremost, and this is going to be a tough one, and it's going to be a tough one for both of us to answer this, I feel. Right now, we have two copies from the Rising series, Thanos Rising and Death Eaters Rising. Ian, what's your favourite and why? At this moment in time, unfortunately for me, I'd have to say probably the Harry Potter one. It just feels slightly more ironed out. I hate saying that because visually and IP-wise, I'm far more drawn to Thanos Rising and I have very fond memories of it and it won't stop me playing that game. But I may have to tweak that with some of the rules from this game, you know, or share the time evenly because I enjoyed seeing the crisper, smoother version of this, in my opinion. Yeah, I have to completely agree with you on there. And if I'm being completely honest... My choice is going to be Harry Potter, Death Eaters Rising. Again, I'm in the same boat as you. IP-wise, I definitely prefer uh, the Marvel Universe uh, over the Harry Potter Universe. However, the game is far more ironed out. The only negatives we could find with this game were so minute. And it was because we were trying to be picky. You know, We were trying to find things that we could really find that we that were negative and yeah we were very pernickety about it yeah and also we have something directly to compare it against it's quite rare nowadays to have well again it's not rare for reskins but it's quite rare to have games where you directly compete two against each other the only ones i can think of where we've looked at that recently have been dinosaur island and dinogenics because the theme was so similar but they are two completely different games and that'll be for another day but these are this is the same engine of game you know, it's like comparing two deck builders almost. You know, it's it's an almost identical way of playing them, 
and they somehow pulled it out of the bag and made it feel like you're playing very different games. Yes. Um, which I, I found really refreshing, to be quite honest. We I think both of us came into this expecting it to be literally a reskin. Yeah. I uh, expect- however, there was enough differences in the games to make it enjoyable. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think we're both we we both agree on that. Harry Potter is the is the more smoothed out game to play. It's not going to stop us from playing Thanos Rising. I think we'll probably play these at a fifty fifty. Yeah, and it's also intrigued us now to go and look at the, the other three variants. I definitely intend to be looking at the Star Wars one before too long. I'm a big Star Wars fan anyway, um, and it's quite cool to have a big Darth Vader in the middle staring you down. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to see now what they tweak for the other versions. Still can't quite get my head around the SpongeBob variant. And I did joke if they keep with the... Bear in mind, it's USAopoly that make these games. If they keep going on and running out of ideas, it won't be long before we get the Monopoly Rising edition where you're all trying to beat the big Monopoly man in the middle. Um, so yeah, a couple of other things that we could talk about is uh, just what the, the game's recommended age range is. Um, it says on the box 11 years plus... I would say that's pretty pretty apt. You could probably get a little bit younger on that, but I'd say 11 plus is is pretty pretty good. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if your little has any chance with this one. Yeah, definitely. I think he will uh, he will enjoy it. Uh, it's a game for two to four players, and it does say 60 minutes. I think that depends how lucky you are. Yeah, um, I think you could definitely game get a game in in 60 minutes. However, that's generally in a losing effort. I feel. Or a very, very seat of your pants moment. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. Have you guys ever looked into Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising? Have you played Thanos Rising? Have you played both? We'd love to hear your opinions to find out which one you prefer. Are you looking forward to any more of the games that are coming from the Rising series? I know we certainly are. What we're going to be doing with these guys is uh, try something new with this. I'm going to be putting photos of this up on our Instagram account so you can actually see the game that we have been talking about. So you can have a look for us on Instagram. Just search for the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. If you do want to contact us in any way, shape or form, you can do that on all of the social medias. As a, as we said just now, you've got the Instagram accounts. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community, or you can email us community at gmail.com. You can also join us on Discord. Um, we can have our own server, and we do a weekly meetup on a Monday evening while lockdown is still in effect, or you know the groups aren't still allowed to meet up. Uh, good fun. We're always welcome to have new people. Uh, if you ever want to um, come and ask us any questions, we're happy to you know to respond to any or have a chat with anyone on there. Drop us a message. We've got links on all of the pages. And we'd love to see you all. That's all from us in the main topic here today, guys. But right now, we are going to hand over to the man that is locked in the CGC newsroom. As always, it is Paul. He's got your weekly dose of news and Kickstarter campaigns. So over to you, Paul. 
Well, thank you, gentlemen. And here is what has caught my eye, graced my inbox, and scrolled into my feed this week. A recent trademark filing has hinted at a possible return for the highly influential dungeon-crawling board game HeroQuest, which originally launched in 1989. The trademark filed was for HeroQuest Legacies and was placed by Restoration Games on July the 1st. The classified trademark has it is intended for use in relation to board games, card games and dice games, as well as miniatures used in tabletop and fantasy games. Restoration Games is a board game publisher behind games including Downforce, Unmatched, Fireball Island and the upcoming return to Dark Tower. The studio specialises in rebooting older tabletop games and systems from decades past. Its chief restoration officer is Robert Duval, co-designer of Pandemic Legacy and creator of Risk Legacy. HeroQuest began as a collaboration between Warhammer Maker Games Workshop and US board game company giant Milton Brad, a dungeon crawling game in the vein of Dungeons and Dragons. The game saw a group of players exploring a variety of environments represented by 3D terrain facing threats controlled by an opposing dungeon master-like figure. The original HeroQuest was followed by a few expansions and then a sequel, Advanced HeroQuest, which placed the game in Games Workshop's Warhammer universe and into its spiritual successor, Warhammer Quest. After a failed Kickstarter campaign in 2013 to get a 25th anniversary game made by Spanish company GameZone, it produced a copyright claim by role-playing game publisher Moon Design Publications over the name HeroQuest. Moon Design published books for tabletop RPG entitled HeroQuest, which was no way in connection with the board game. But earlier this year, the HeroQuest role-playing game was renamed Quest Worlds by its current publisher, Chaosium, opening up the possibility of a new HeroQuest game released under its original title. Restoration Games founder and president issued the following comment to Dicebreaker stating We often are looking at our top five requested games and taking steps to see if we can make. Securing a trademark is just one step but is not the only step. We have many pieces to put together for all our games before we have the rights to make them. Trademarks are a public piece of the puzzle and unfortunately convey a lot more implied weight than is justified. Importantly, what we did file was under the USPTO intent to use provision. If and when there is something to announce, believe us, folks will know. Fantasy Flight have a plethora of new releases announced at Gen Con Online last weekend. Firstly announced was Clone Wars era expansions for both Star Wars Legion and Star Wars Armada. For Legion, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Maul with probe droids and Republic and Separatist specialists. And for the Armada side, both Galactic, Republic and Separatist starter sets together with relevant fighter squadron packs. X-Wing 2nd Edition was not left out with the fighters from both prequel and sequel trilogies, including a three-ship squadron pack. Twilight Aperium 4th Edition also gets its first expansion with Prophecy of Kings, raising its player count and adding new features with a few fan favourites that were introduced in its third edition. X-Men Mutant Insurrection is set for release in early 2021. Fast-paced, cooperative, dice-driven card game sees you and your fellow mutants traversing the world aboard the Blackbird on death-defying missions, recruiting new mutants, capturing criminals and battling the most memorable supervillains like Sabretooth, Magneto, Master Mold and Dark Phoenix. For fans of Keyforge, the latest decks, 
Dark Tidings implement 250 brand new cards and take the fight underwater, bringing a new faction and the concept of evil twin decks to Keyforge. Over to Kickstarter. Western Legends Blood Money is the second large expansion for the titular Western Legends. Following on from Anti-Up, Blood Money introduces a number of modules to tailor every game. The Risk module that may or may not improve your action on a die result. The Legendary Story module includes a high reward story track for players to pursue and along with new characters, the chance to purchase deeds to locations and legendary items to purchase. And that's coming to Kickstarter on August the 11th. Dining with Dracula is a blood-draining mix of worker placement and clever time management for two to four players. Good old Count Dracula has given up his lavish lifestyle and for the past few decades has been building up his bustling tourism business, but is growing weary and looking for an heir to the Empire. Luring tourists to do your bidding, increase the actions available to you in its worker placement mechanic, but then every action you do take removes time from a shared clock. Then comes bribing the Count with irresistible gifts and your exploits of your management skills in a bid to one-up your fellow players to become the successor to Dracula's empire. Launching at some point in August from Too Fat to Fly Games, so keep an eye out for that. Adding to the Vampire theme is another game set for release in August, and that is Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, the expandable card game. The game is being handled by Renegade Games, who are responsible for great titles like Lanterns, World Fair, and the Clank series. The game is for two to four players, and it pits you as the head of a vampire clan in San Francisco, vying for control of the metropolis. Expansions are inbound to introduce other cities and clans to the fold, but that's all the info we have on that title at the moment. Again, that's sat for release some point in August. And that's all from me over in the newsroom. I hope you all have a good week. Thanks for that, Paul. But we're going to call the show there, guys. We hope you have uh, enjoyed what you've heard today. I know it's something a little bit different, but uh, hopefully we're going, to, we're going to do a few more of these. We, we will try and bring you the content that you want to hear. But uh, yeah, if you do like what you have heard, please do consider leaving us an Apple podcast review. If you really like the show, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. Do share and subscribe. And that's it, guys. We are definitely going to call it there, unless Ian has anything else he wants to add. Hopefully you will get your Hogwarts letters soon, and I hope you all have a lovely week ahead. Thanks very much for joining us today, guys. It's been a pleasure. You've been amazing. We've been amazing. You know, we're pretty big-headed like that. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.